Thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Stay tuned and God bless. What God's about to say to this campus. I'm very excited because it's, it's, a, it's a message I believe is going to um, help us with our interactions with those that we come into contact with every single week. And so my, my prayer is that this word prepares you and equips you and empowers you. Amen. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him speak. So let's pray. Father, your word is mighty. Your word is power. Your word is truth. Speak what is true, Holy Spirit. Let your power manifest in this room. To your glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn, let's turn to Mark chapter 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have your Bible or your iPad or smartphone, look on the TVs or the big screen behind me. We're going to read Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 in the New King James Translation. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When you have it, say, I have it. Amen. Let's read And again, he, being Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, say their faith. Everybody say their faith again. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Back in high school, I played basketball. And a teammate of mine, his name was Ramsey. Ramsey was about 5'8", but he was a really wide, stocky guy. He was very physical, really tough. Wasn't a good basketball player, but he was physical. He would work hard. He would hustle. And Ramsey's nickname during high school was the truck. So... I want you to imagine a football player trying to play basketball, okay? So Ramsey could rebound. Oh, he'll set you a mean screen. He will bow people over, but he was ruthless on the court. Now, he wasn't great at the game, but he was very, very ruthless. (laughs) He had no compassion and no pity for the teams that we played against. And he was passionate about the game, but he was more passionate about helping other players do really, really well on the court with what he was ruthless with. And I remember one time, Ramsey struggled with left-hand layups. He could not hit a left-hand layup for anything. But, buddy, if you missed a shot, oh, he was in your grill. 
Hey, why you missed that shot? Come on, left hand. Come on, right foot, left hand, off the glass, off the box. I mean, he, was, he, he would push us, and he was, he was ruthless in encouraging us. He was ruthless in, in, in pushing us toward our potential. But he wasn't a great basketball player, and that was okay because he, he understood his role. And so I share that story with you to kind of get you in the mindset of today's message, and that is ruthless love. And when you, when you look at the title, it's kind of an oxymoron because ruthless and love really don't go together from a human perspective. Because the word ruthless means no pity, no compassion, no kindness, but yet love is kind, love is patient, love is true, it delights in good things. So how do, as a follower of Jesus, how do we connect the two words? And I pray that you really hear God today in that. So I want to talk about three things when it comes to ruthless love. What is it? Let's start in the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. It's going to be on the screen. It's Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. We're going to look at the New Living Translation of the Bible. Hosea chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 2 and 3. And I really want us to understand three things about God's love. We must receive God's love, respond to God's love, and then here's the hard one. Release God's love. Receive God's love. Respond to God's love, and then release God's love. Let's look at receiving God's love. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer the daughter of Dibalane, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Let me give you context what's going on. The people of Israel were very uh, lacking focus on God, and their relationship with God was not really there. They were very idolatrous. They, they worshiped sex. They worshiped idols. They, they, they were all about themselves, and they really put God on the back burner so much to a point that God had to use a prophet and say, go marry a prostitute to give a picture of how I feel about Israel right now, of how they're treating me. And so the, the, the first, my first point today is this, receive God's love. So I want you to see God's love in this picture right here. He told Hosea, a good man, full of character. Go on the streets, down the corner, take a left, and go marry that prostitute. Ruthless love looks past your mess. It looks past your destructive choices. It looks past all that. It sees it, it validates it, but it still pursues. It's ruthless. It doesn't not stay away. It gets close. The closeness of God's love. And a lot of times we, we struggle receiving God's love sometimes because we think we're too messy or we think that we've made too many mistakes. But look at this. In the middle of Israel cheating on God, God said, hey, Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Have kids. Have a family. Because that's what I want with my people. So today I, I believe God is, God is dealing with the hidden things that we think he think he can think he can love he can love us 
In Hosea chapter 3, a couple chapters later, verse 1 and 2, the word says this. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. So again, get this. Chapter 1. Hosea, go marry a prostitute. He gets married, they have kids. And the, and the kid's name had specific meanings that portrayed Israel's relationship with God, which was very adulterous. A lot of idols, a lot of wandering. And then two chapters later, we see that she left Hosea and went to find another man. Again! She did on him again. Look at the consistency of God, though. Look at the love that chased her down through Hosea. He said, Hosea, you know, remember Gomer? Go back and get her. Go buy her back. If you look up the meaning of uh, the 15 pieces of silver and the barley and the wine, in today's value currency, it's about $160. $160, and that was the price for a slave back during that time. So think about this for a second. Hosea gave all he had for Gomer, everything, so that she could see and receive not only his love, but really God's love that was pouring through Hosea. And he went and bought her back. We have been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross. God said, I want them close, Jesus. Go get them. Can you receive God's love? Can, 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 do, do you realize that, that that love is a sacrifice? It's a sacrificial choice to put yourself in harm's way, maybe losing value, but you value someone that's not yourself, and you say, you know what? I want them close to God, so I will do whatever it takes to bring them close to God and close to me. Ruthless love. It goes all out. It does not hold back. Can you receive that love, that God loves you in that way, that, that you, are, you are valuable to God, that he would pour out heaven for us, heaven for you, specifically on the cross, through his son, Jesus Christ, bleeding, broken for you, buying us back. We have to really get this concept because love is a journey. Faith is a journey. And so you got to understand, once you receive God's love, it's one thing to receive it, and that's a good thing. Because it shows us our value in God. But then there's a response. We must learn to respond to God's love. Responding to God's love, and this is where God's going to get very specific for this campus. We must respond to God's love by hating our sin. Responding to God's love means hating our sin, hating our idols. Turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 25. We're going to read about 15 verses here. Now, I want you to hear this story of how to deal with idolatry. Numbers chapter 25, verse 1 through 15, reads this. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. 
The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peror, and the Lord's anger burned against them. Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the Baal of Peror. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore, tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. Let's stop there for a moment. I want you to understand what happened in this story. Idolatry was happening in the camp. And God's people were worshiping something other than him. God is a jealous God. When you receive his love, he is jealous for you. He wants you, all of you, not half, not one-third, not one-sixteenth, not 99.98%. He wants all of you. Billy, he wants all of you, man. He wants all of you. And so Israel wasn't giving God all of themselves. And so they invited some uh, Moabite women. Sex was the driver. Bringing in people into the camp, not to show them God, not to show them his ruthless love, no, to indulge in themselves. And God said, put them out. Put them out. And so Phineas, the son of Aaron, he sees this guy, this really bold guy, bringing a woman, going to his tent while they're talking about all this. And immediately, he didn't hesitate. Immediately, look, when you see sin in your life and God's light exposes it, take care of it. Don't flirt with sin, church. He freed us from that. Don't flirt with the hidden things. Don't flirt with things that you think you can get away with. But no one got away with anything because of the cross. He covered it already. So he already sees it. Don't hide what he already sees. So Phineas grabs his spear. And literally, I believe that they were about to be in the act of sexual relations. He grabs that spear. Took out the idolatry. So here's the thing about Ruth's love. Ruthless love is not just receiving God's love for yourself so we can grow in him, and that's true. But, see, ruthless love is also personal when you begin to ruthlessly take out the things that keep you away from God's love. You don't flirt with your struggle. Listen, we, we, we all struggle, amen, but God is bringing us through it, teaching us to walk in victory and in, in deliverance, and that is true. But it's okay to struggle, but it's not okay to be okay with the struggle. You got to hear that. It's okay to struggle, but it's not okay to be okay with the struggle. 
Because we have victory in Jesus. We have power in Jesus. We have Rufus love in Jesus that we can say no to sin. We can make the right choice by the power of the Holy Spirit because of love. Only love. So when that thing, when that temptation comes, God's grace says, I'm better. And he'll give us the strength to say no. Be like Joseph and run, boy, run. <laughs> or be like Phineas and take it out however you need to. Because God will give you a strategy to take care of it. Oh, he'll, he'll provide provision to kill your idols. Because his love is ruthless. But do you want it? Do you want it? Romans chapter 12, verse 9. I'll give you a few verses, a few, a few tools to add to your, your toolkit as, as, we, as we walk in freedom and, and say no to sin and, and say no to the things that Jesus already died for. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 reads this. Love must be genuine. Abhor or hate. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. God is good. Who wants to hold on to God? Come on, who wants to hold on to God? I want to hold on to God, and I want to hate what is evil, because if I hate something, I won't touch it. If I hate something, I won't, I won't, I won't, even, I won't even get close to it. A ruthless love will say, no, I have no compassion for that thing. But man, God, I choose you. And, 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 and this is a process, and this is a, a day-to-day uh, learning curve for all of us as we follow the Holy Spirit. Because uh, I've seen it so many times. I've seen people get delivered from demons. And for about three weeks, they're pressing in, following Jesus. But there's no discipline after deliverance. And see, discipline comes from love anyway. And that discipline will teach us to have a ruthless love for God and a ruthless hatred for my selfishness. But you got to want it. And they fall back into stuff that that was tainted with demonic things. And we wonder why. Because we weren't willing to walk with them after the deliverance. To show them what ruthless love looks like. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Reads as this. Put to death, put to death, put to death, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, Lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And I know this is a hard word, but, 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 but really, really, really stay with me because I'm, I'm going to show you something in the scriptures that can help us sustain and walk in that freedom that we just sang about. That he has no rival. He has no equal. How can we practically apply the 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, verse 4 through 6. Listen to this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Verse 5 says this. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep, keep score of the sins of others. And then verse 6. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in flowering the truth. In the NIV version it says this. Love does not delight in evil. Do you hate your sin? 
Has God's love taught you to hate your sin? We have to deal with this. Has God's love taught you to hate your sin? We know God hates sin. How? While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. When we were even looking for him, Ms. Bond, weren't even focused. We were an enemy in our minds toward God. And God hated our sins so much that he proved his love and showed his love by sending Christ on the cross. So then my question is, how can we apply that same love to our own sin as, as field saved believers? We can do this through him. When um, Pastor Huey came to me about two years ago now, and uh, he, he, he asked me to steward and begin a college ministry here at Restoration Church called Prime, as many of you know about. But th- th- let, me tell you, let me share with you a quick backstory of what happened before Prime was born through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Lisa and I, we had just gotten married, and uh, when I was younger, I used to love video games. I still kind of do, but I don't play them as much now. Uh, being married, your, your responsibilities and priorities change. Amen. <laughs> I love you, baby. It was, it was a really cool game. It was, it was very violent, a lot of action, swords, spears, all this stuff that I used to love when I was a little kid. And, and, and I found the game, and I downloaded it, and I started to play it. Pastor Jasper, this game consumed so much of my time, brother. Man, I, I was late to meetings with Huey talking about the college ministry. I was, I, was, I, was just, I was just late to a lot of the different things, and I was distracted. My private time with God began to, to wane away. I, I, just, I was just losing focus, yet excited about this opportunity to lead a ministry, but yet this thing kind of slipped in. And God spoke to me one afternoon. I was playing that game before going to the church to do some work. And God said, the ministry is not born because you're giving birth to something else. I I, I had given birth because sin, sin brings forth death. And there was death in my life because I was focusing on something that wasn't God. And when God spoke that to me, it, it, it literally, I, I remember I had my phone in my hand, and I heard the Holy Spirit whisper that to my heart, and I make a choice, a choice of ruthless love. You know what I did? I deleted it. And I made sure that it couldn't be in the backlog of my phone, so I even deleted the application in my settings, so I couldn't re-download it. Completely wiped out, killed it. I responded to God's love. A week later, Prime started. So I look at that and I'm saying, man, what, what did I hold up? What did I, hold, what did I hinder? What, what did my sin put this black curtain behind what God wanted to bring forth through our surrender? Respond to God's love. And now the, 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 final, the final piece, I believe, to this process. We've talked about receiving God's love. We talked about responding to God's love. But now we must learn to release God's love. 
release God's love. Let's go back to where we started in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. But before we read that, I, I have a question for you because th this is now where we, we begin to really understand the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So my question before we read is this. How bad do you want your neighbor's deliverance? How bad do you want your neighbor's deliverance? How bad do you want them to know Jesus? How bad do you want them to encounter the power of God? How bad do you want them to know God? How bad, how much, how ruthless are you in prayer for your neighbor? I want you to see the ruthless love of, of, of four people for one person. Let's read Mark 2 again. There's power and unity. I feel that in this place. Verse 1, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even in the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Think about this for a second. They're trying to get to where Jesus is. And the way is blocked. There's a crowd of people. Now, in the text, we don't know how strong a relationship these five guys have. There's no reference in the Bible that says, oh, they were great buddies. They had a good, strong relationship. There's no proof of that in the text. So we really don't know how close they were. But think about this. Loving your neighbor doesn't mean that you may fully trust them. Y'all better hear that. Loving your neighbor, you may have been hurt. You may not fully know them. You may not have a real deep relationship with them, but the command is still there. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor because he's your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Any human being you make eye contact with or even come across. Why? Because they're image bearers of God. They were made in his image. And so when we have that reverence and honor for God, we'll see people differently. Look at these four guys. Their friend was paralyzed, couldn't walk. And they showed ruthless love by going up some stairs, potentially. We don't know. And in that time, most homes had stairs to the roof because they would hang outside on the roof. So they probably went make their way up, and they are literally scraping away rocks and debris and they're just trying to make some kind of way they were ruthlessly just trying to get their friend to Jesus he needs to experience and encounter the love of Jesus he, he needs to he needs to just to, to know G he, he needs to see he needs to hear G and like can you imagine these four guys they are scrapping and they, they hear Jesus winding up his sermon all right guys let's, let's get ready to pray out to God and they're like no no we, we gotta we gotta get him to Jesus we gotta get him to Jesus do we have the heart to get people to Jesus? Do we want our neighbor's deliverance? How bad do you want your neighbor to meet Jesus? Are we walking in ruthless love? Verse 5 in Mark 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is an interesting text right here. Because it wasn't just the paralyzed man's faith. 
It was their faith. It was their faith. Are you letting people learn from your faith? Because your faith is an example. Your faith can, can inspire others. But if we're sitting our, on our faith and we, we receive and we respond and we're dealing with sin in our own life, but then when that doesn't translate to other people, we become spiritual pirates and we hoard the grace of God. We, we hoard the love of God. And then we become stubborn to conviction. That's love speaking to us, saying, hey, that's not right. Turn, repent. But when we don't love and intentionally connect with others sometimes with the love of God, our heart becomes hard. And we, and we want God for ourselves. But these four friends didn't just want to see and hear Jesus teach. They said, Jesus, you have power. And you can heal our friend. And they did whatever it took to get there. Ruthless love overcomes traditional barriers. Ruthless love gave a paralyzed man forgiveness, healing, and purpose from the grace and the ruthless love of Jesus initiated by the ruthless love of his four comrades. Ruthless love means prayerfully living out as a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. We, we, we really got to get this one. There's a difference between being a peacemaker and being a peacekeeper. Peacekeeping is safe and easy because all you have to do is stay away. <laughs> you just have to stay away. You don't have to engage. You don't have to talk. You don't have to interact. You just literally have to stay away. And sometimes from a spirit of suspicion and not discernment, uh-oh, you, you a little dirty. But ruthless love says, you know what, you might be a little dirty, but I'm going to connect and by the power of the Holy Spirit, learn how to maneuver around your filth and learn how to love you through it. How you doing, neighbor? And we begin, we begin to actually make connections. And it's kind of hard and it's tricky, but if we would really learn the ruthless love of God and see how the ruthless love looks past the mess and sees the potential, we can help people unlock their purpose. But we've got to Release God's love. Peacemaking is about engaging in healthy, honest conflict without compromising our convictions in Jesus. Peacekeeping is hiding the struggle and choosing to flirt with sin, not wanting to deal with the conflict, hoping it will go away. That's not that's not Bible, y'all. That's not hope. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers because they are the sons and daughters of God. And later in Romans, it says, the sons of God are led by the Holy Spirit. So if you're not loving your neighbor, are you, are you truly following the Holy Spirit? If you're not loving your neighbor... If you're not making peace with your neighbor, if you're not helping others make peace with others, if you're not praying for the deliverance of other people, if you're not walking with people after they've been delivered from, from demons through their process, are you really following the Holy Spirit? Come 
to do. Adrian, can you come up and play keys a little bit? <clears throat> I'm almost done, y'all, but we're not done because we're about to do some things to really initiate a ruthless love, not only in this campus, but in our communities, and in our families, in our spheres of influence, and in our circles. When I gave my life to Jesus when I was eight years old, God did so much that day. And I, I, I remember that moment where the gospel made sense. And I received the love of Jesus. I responded. And then as an eight-year-old growing up in high school, it was, it was releasing God's love that was hard because I was so concerned about the response of people responding to my relationship with God. And now God will give you wisdom on how to, how to connect and share with people. But what, what, what I'm challenging is you can't let fear dictate how you hear and respond to God in the context of our neighbor. You got to imagine and believe that the, the, those four friends of that paralyzed man, they, they may not even have been friends, maybe just, just acquaintances, because we don't know. But they didn't let fear or intimidation stop them. And here's the key to releasing God's love. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. This is the only way, church. This is the only way, Huntsville Campus, that you're going to see life transformation in this neighborhood, in our spheres of influence. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Let's insert ruthless love. God's ruthless love, which chases you and pursues you down, leads you and helps you turn toward repentance. The reason a lot of us have a hard time loving our neighbor, especially when they've hurt us or we don't trust them, because there's something in our heart we haven't truly repented of in fellowship with God. And I believe his light is exposing some of those things in our hearts today. So if we repent, what does that repentance look like? I love this very short verse. It's in Colossians chapter 4. But we're going to read the NIV translation. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He must love his neighbor if he's sending a greeting. That's pretty good, right? He is always, listen to this, he is always wrestling. That translation says struggling, but I'm going to use the word wrestling. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. You ever wrestled before? You can't hide and not engage in, in wrestling. Wrestling in prayer is intercession. Intentionally praying for others. 
intentionally engaging with others, intentionally seeing God's love move through you in moments of interaction with people. You can't wrestle on accident. It's a choice. So are we wrestling for our neighbor, for those people that we know are struggling, for those people that are paralyzed spiritually or even physically, mentally, emotionally? Are we wrestling for each other in prayer? Ruthless love is a gift to be selfishly, I'm sorry, selflessly given, not selfishly hidden. Like I said, being a spiritual pirate, we can hoard the grace of God. But ruthless love is a gift. And so I want us to give each other the greatest gift of all, and that's the love of God. And then when we go to work tomorrow on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we release it to others, then we come back Sunday and celebrate. We celebrate what Jesus did. We talk about what Jesus did. We worship him. We honor him. We get refilled, recharged, and we do it again Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We come back Sunday again. We celebrate. We talk about it. And we give each other testimonies and we encourage each other. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we do it again. We make this a lifestyle of worship where we wrestle for each other in prayer and we release ruthless love. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.